Who's ready? Let's chat. Welcome, welcome. I'm Brandi Davis, your parenting partner, and we're here to chat about all things kids and all things parenting. Let's get started, shall we? Hey, everyone. I hope you are doing well and that you are feeling healthy and that you are all taking care of yourselves. So, Today, I am super excited because I've wanted to do this for a long time and I just I found the perfect person. Um, so you are going to be hearing from Diana Polner today. She's the founder and executive director of pandasnetwork.org and she's going to tell us all about pandas and pans and if you don't know what it is, you are about to learn a lot. Um, and, and it's a pretty important topic and it may affect your kids or someone that you know. So it's better to be armed with info than not, right? Sure. Always. <laughs> hey, Diana, how are you doing? Hi, thanks for inviting me, Brandy. Awesome. So glad you're here. Can you tell us, um, a little about yourself and what mm-hmm. you do? Yeah. So, um, as you know, my name is Diana Pullman, and I founded an organization in 2009 to look at a new disease that was identified in 1998 by Dr. Susan Sweeto, a pediatrician who works at the National Institute of Mental Health. This new disease, is, uh, PANDAS, stands for Pediatric Acute Neuropsychiatric Disorder Associated with Strep throat bacteria. Um, This is an illness that was under-recognized. Dr. Sweeto um, called it to national attention in 1998. And the illness revolves around little children, generally between the ages of four and 12, who have a sudden acute onset of personality change after a strep throat infection. So, It sounds kind of scary. It is a relatively rare disease. Both of my children got this illness that was newly identified in 2007. Mm. And um, I was so shocked that there wasn't a lot of research um, on this illness that Dr. Sweeto at the NIMH had identified. So I started um, a website, sort of a blog, and started noticing more and more children in my neighborhood and around the United States who are identifying as having huge personality chains, alarming and scary personality changes after a strep throat infection. So I started funding research and um, finding other parents and um, discovered now 15 years, 14 years later that there are children all over the world. Again, it's relatively rare. Um, having this syndrome revolving around strep. We're up to about 40,000 cases internationally now, just through email exchange, not even a concerted international effort. So that's why I started Pandas Network, was to identify how strep throat bacteria can do bad things to little children. And the last and the best part is that strep throat bacteria that does bad things to little children can be easily stopped mm. if identified very quickly. So it's a really wonderful opportunity to do this work because we are able to often capture children very quickly and stop this syndrome. 
but before PANDAS Network, the children were not getting help. So our main drive has been to you know, use people like you, Brandy, and the media as much as we can to explain this syndrome so that we can capture the, capture the little ones as soon as possible, get them all better, and be done with it. So that's the short answer. No, that's great. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I that's amazing that you went from just having an idea of being like, oh, huh, I, I'm going to talk about this. I never really heard about this. I didn't understand this, to bringing it to where it is now. So, well, I mean, I have that's... A, yeah, I, there's a story on the front of our website about um, what happened to my son. And um, it, it's so shocking and so alarming, the change in these children, that um, it, it scared me so much that I, I thought I should at least try to tell a few other parents about it. I never thought it would grow internationally. I, I'm really shocked that it has. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad because I have to tell you, until a couple years ago, I hadn't heard of this. And I've been working with kids for like 25 years, and I had never heard anything of this. I didn't know what it was. Um, mm-hmm. And then it sort of came into my life a little bit. So it's become something that's, um, you know, I really wanted to learn about. I really wanted to get mm-hmm. the word out because, as you said, like, it's all about the information and knowing what it is and knowing the signs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did also notice that there's pandas and pans. Uh-huh. What's yeah. the difference? Right. So pandas, P-A-N-D-A-S, stands for strep throat bacteria causing the sudden onset of change in a child. Child, the, the short definition, and there is a definition I wanted to get into later, but mm-hmm. short onset definition is sudden acute OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, Mm -hmm. and or eating restriction for a little one. It's very unusual for them to stop eating, have anorexia type behaviors. Um, uh, And then um, movement disorders often identified as tics. That was the definition of pandas with strep. But we discovered, and the other experts at Stanford, the NIMH, Georgetown, Yale, Harvard, had a meeting in after we opened our nonprofit, I think the meeting was in 2010, after more and more children came quickly, came, came forward, about a thousand children had come forward in about the span of two or three years. And um, they decided to expand the definition to pediatric acute neuropsychiatric syndrome or uh, PANS meaning other illnesses besides strep could possibly be causing a similar onset. And then they created uh, at this meeting, this professional meeting at the NIH, these doctors decided to create a very um, narrow um, definition of what PANS is when it's not just strep throat bacteria. So it's the same, same onset, different viruses or bacteria. Most of the time we are noticing though now, you know, 12 years later, that generally the syndrome stop starts with strep throat bacteria. Um, but that's, it's hard to identify sometimes uh, that it's, that it's strep. And anyways, I won't go on and on about that. But... <laughs> no, it's, and it's really interesting um, because I mean, we had talked a little bit about this before. 
I've had strep before and I knew that it was annoying and painful Mm -hmm. and I had to go get like water ice and Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But I never knew uh, what it could cause. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was a grown up when I got it. Maybe I had it when I was a kid. I don't Mm -hmm. know. We'll call my mother and ask Mm -hmm. her. But, um, you know, so I never really thought it anything about it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, could you tell us a little bit about strep and what else it does and like why right. what is what like ah it's so terrible but yeah so um you know i'm a little bit older than you i think i'm 57 and just up until about, i'm probably a lot older than you <laughs> no but. just nine years <laughs> okay but um up until um the last 10 20 years strep throat bacteria was a communicable disease that had to be reported in every elementary school and up until around world war well up until the 19 early 1960s um a lot of tonsils were taken out across the united states and worldwide in particular it, it began because of strep throat bacteria so up until about the 1960s strep throat bacteria was causing what's called rheumatic fever where strep can attack the heart of children and have them, you know, have bad, you know, heart issues and and even die from strep throat bacteria. So um, it's not, we eradicated uh, the bad actions of strep by and large in the, the westernized world. And so we've stopped, you know, really paying attention to the bad things it can do. Mm-hmm. But in developing countries, and increasingly now we're seeing, um, like in Africa, Australia, the Aborigines, some parts of South America, uh, some parts of um, Asia, where children can't get access to strep, they do get rheumatic fever, and they can also have um, problems with their kidneys. Their um, something called gutate psoriasis um, is a strep. Uh, bacteria disorder of the skin. Um, Kawasaki's disease is a deadly infection that can cause bad, you know, bad autoimmune processes in children. And um, there's something called necrotizing fasciitis, where strep throat bacteria, a particular type, can cause limb blackening. Arms and legs can blacken, and a child or an adult can die from strep. So strep is surveyed around the world. But what we're noticing perhaps, and there's debate about it, because we don't want to scare everybody. This is not everybody having this syndrome from strep. Um, Strep has always been known to do many, many bad things. That's why it's been studied for a couple of generations now by thousands of strep experts. Um, But we're, we're just noticing this uptick in movement and mood disorders, psychiatric disorders, being caused by strep throat bacteria. It has been known that it can cause movement and mood disorders in people for many, many generations, but um, we're not sure if we're seeing an uptick of it now uh, or if it's just something that was neglected and not paid attention to and children were being given psych medicines or institutionalized for bad behaviors or you know mm-hmm. psychiatric problems. So, um, yeah, strep, strep has always been known to do uh, difficult things, but are the parents like myself uh, and probably another half dozen parents who helped me start Pandas Network were the ones uh, here in the U.S. that were having this issue. And um, we decided to call attention to it, although it is still rare. 
it, it, parents don't like to hear that who are afflicted by PANDAS, but right. by the numbers, there are not millions of children in America getting this. Most children get strep and they throw it off. Yeah. Our children get strep. <clears throat> My children only got strep one time and had a complete personality change. Wow. They're that allergic to it. And that, that can go into the science that we can talk to a little bit later. It is a rare reaction to strep. Yeah. Particular. Yeah. And, you know, what, you know, and, and what, I guess this is, this is, this would be sort of the top of my mind if I was a parent. What's sort of the difference between a kid who will get pandas and not get pandas? Do we have so that? That's why I've stuck around for, uh, you know, 14 years because <laughs> I really wanted this question answered for my children who are now 21. My son is 21. He's doing great. He's at college studying engineering. And my daughter is a junior in high school and she's a dancer. She's 17. Um, the difference in the children we're seeing must be genetic. We're noticing now um, so that my, my nonprofit and um, a team out of uh, Stanford and another team at Columbia University are looking at the genetic aspects of this. And we're seeing that these children probably are the descendants of grandma, great grandpa that had rheumatic fever. They had an adverse reaction to strep 100 years ago, 50 years ago. So we're seeing, seeing now familial trends. So um, we think it's just a genetic frailty to strep throat bacteria. Oh, okay. That's uh -huh. wild. That's yeah. that it would go back so far. And it's, yeah. Wow. Well, in some, in, in, it's interesting in New York, there is, um, I won't get, well, anyway, a religious community, I'll, I'll just say, that goes back um, three and four generations. Grandma, grandpa, grandchildren all have had pandas. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, and they don't, you know, if you get antibiotics and you get an attentive, caring doctor who will follow the child month after month, we can get all of these kids better by and large. The problem is, is people aren't getting care. If they don't get care, the autoimmune process that may be genetically based, it probably is, it doesn't stop. It can only increase over time. Right. And that's why I th think it's so important to get all of this out there because people don't know what they don't know. And I say that a lot, actually. I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, even when I talk to people about things that I don't know, it's like, well, I don't know what I don't know. So mm -hmm. what should I know? And I think that that's what's so scary. And can you can you tell if your kid has an autoimmune issue, disease, well, weakness? Let, yeah. So let me describe... Um, so this is, you know, in terms of getting treatment from a doctor, the first thing that we do is we ask, we, we, we hope parents will ask doctors to do, and parents need to consider this, is what is the family's history of autoimmune disease? Is there rheumatoid arthritis? Is there Parkinson's? Is there multiple sclerosis? Is there some uh, high, um, a thyroid disease? We often see that in the family there is on either mommy and daddy, mommy or daddy's side, an autoimmune disorder in the family. So that's something that you can't really identify in a child. They don't yet present those types of autoimmune diseases. So it's a good question for parents to consider. Mm -hmm. Also, is there a lengthy history of strep throat bacteria infections in the family? And when I say lengthy, not like one or two infections like my kids had. Some families with pandas 
have had 10, 20, 30 strep throat infections in the span of four years. So really egregious relationship with strep. And the other thing is if a child is continuing to struggle, we're often noticing, and these are papers published by, by Stanford and Harvard and, and Yale, uh, some others. They're noticing that um, the child might have an immune deficiency that hasn't been identified by an immunologist. So we see that these children, if they're immune deficient, often complain before they got pandas. They complain of achy joints, achy legs, uh, the child can be have really dark circles under their eyes, have really intense allergies to food. Um, so they seem kind of autoimmune from, from the start. So you do need to go to an immunologist or talk to a pediatrician. That's the number one thing to do and say, what does autoimmune mean? You know, what, what can I do? And doctors know. They know mm -hmm. how to run panels to see if a child has an autoimmune process that's pretty intense or allergies that are really... Um, intense. And when we calm those things down with antihistamines or sometimes uh, if a child is immune deficient with something called intravenous immunoglobulin, um, the, ch the children's immune systems get straightened out and they don't have a bad reaction to pandas anymore. It, it's not too hard to check um, a child's autoimmune process. Okay. That's good to know. Doctors that's... know how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good to know. And Kind of along those lines, too, what should parents, teachers, mentors, grown-ups, sort of in the lives of kids know? Like, yeah. what should they look for? Or yeah. Like so, that. Um, so first, I just want to say um, on the – I will explain in one sec, but in the, on oh, the totally. Pandas Network website, we're revising the Pandas Network website. It will be updated by mid-September. And we're going to call out much more clearly this syndrome right away so that parents can quickly, you know, download a form to, and send it to their, and bring it to their doctor's office and say, do you think this is what's happening to my child? So what we're seeing um, when the child changes is an abrupt onset of personality. I'm going to just give you a medical definition really quick. Oh, great. A, 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 an abrupt onset in personality change, usually within a week to sometimes four months after a strep throat bacteria infection or some other acute infection that is maybe high fever, bad, bad tummy ache, and the child will change within a month, a week to four months maybe. And this is how they'll change. They'll have an abrupt dramatic onset of obsessive compulsive disorder, or this is a scarier thing, severe restriction of food intake. A four-year-old called me a few days ago, the parents of a four-year-old, and the child who'd been eating normally up until the age, you know, until recently, refused to drink water or food for three days and had to be hospitalized. If, you, if you're that little and you stop eating, yeah. um, it's, it's extremely dangerous. Okay, so that's, those are the most notable things to pay attention to. But we also notice five different um changes too to the child's neurological system and psychiatric system or psychiatric symptoms. Um, acute change in anxiety, um, emotional liability, like crying um, out of the blue for no reason, weepy, um, extremely depressed, unable to talk. Irritability, a third thing is irritability or aggressive behaviors, really volatile actions from the child that are usually in the past, very even disposition. 
um, the child might regress into baby talk or begin to suckle their thumb that they haven't done. They might, might be 10 years old and all of a sudden they'll begin to suck their thumb or talk in baby talk. Two more, three more symptoms. Deterioration in school performance um, or sensory or motor ab or abnormalities. So we're seeing that the neurological system is afflicted. The child won't be able to read as well. They won't be able to write as well. They won't be able to think as well. They'll have brain fat fog or they'll have strange movements with their fingers, their toes, their arms, their heads, their eyes. And the last thing that I really paid attention to a lot with my kids because it helped me sh show the level of severity um, for the syndrome in them is the inability to sleep properly. If you can't sleep through the night, there's probably something pretty acute going on day on a day after day basis. Mm -hmm. um, they might have urinary frequency to 10, 20, 30 times a day. They have to go potty. So it's the neurological system is being afflicted. Okay. So those are the main symptoms that we're seeing um, when the children get sick. And uh, not all of the symptoms occur on one day at one moment. It'll be like a wash of symptoms over several days. Okay, yeah. And I think that that's important to say, too, that it's, it's not like one day. If your kid, you know, goes to the bathroom 100 times in one day, if your right. child is irritable one day, because we know that, you know, kids are people too and but, especially if you're looking at your four-year-old and you're like wow they're really grumpy today and it's like yes so it yeah. is and it's a change right right and so the so pandas is really a form of autoimmune encephalitis mm -hmm. encephalitis is an attack to the brain and we use the word acute in a very serious way with this definition um acute means catastrophic earth-changing, personality, like you don't even recognize the child that you yeah. have raised. So it's really an acute change that is so disturbing you would bring the child to an emergency room or, you know, it, it really is alarming to the family. Yeah. So um, if a child, increasingly we're seeing um, in social media groups and questions that I receive through our face, through our website, we're increasingly we're seeing parents that are approaching us that have only mild symptoms onset. And I encourage them not to worry because sometimes these kids can have a wash of something that literally dissipates in four to six weeks. However, if it's on your radar, you know, keep an eye on the child. And if it comes back in a year or increases over time, that's when you should go to your doctor. But it's it's not if the child's moody. It's not if they all of a sudden want to go potty all the time that that's pandas. You really have to be quite alarmed and you really need to talk to a doctor about it and be followed. Okay. Yeah. So also, obviously, and I, you've been like really clear, if you see these things, if you're alarmed, um, go to a doctor. Is there anything else that they can do? Um, so I would say if a child has an acute onset, like both of my children did, the most important thing to do is go talk to a Western medicine doctor and get and ask for aggressive treatment. Ask for them to look at the blood work. Sometimes people go to alternative medicine doctors who can be very good, but encephalitic attack to the brain can cause lasting psychological and physical damage. So number one, think that you want to get, think aggressively for treatment, find a Western medicine doctor to talk to. And then um, number two, um, 
record if there's uh, neurological changes or psychological changes that are extremely dis disturbing, use your cell phone, record the physical changes so a doctor can understand what the movements or the ticks look like. And start to write just on a piece of paper, you know, in your kitchen, just grab whatever you can, a little little notes about the personality changes, the time of day and how frequently, frequently occurs during the day. So you can have a really thorough conversation with your doctor. And then the last thing is um, on our website, we have um, what, what are called assessment scales. Um, so I didn't know what OCD was. I just thought it was people who were afraid of germs. Mm -hmm. When my child was seven years old, and both of my children got pandas at the age of seven um, after one strep throat infection. And um, OCD isn't just being afraid of germs. My son, uh, these, these assessment scales help you understand different ways OCD can manifest. So my son was really afraid of losing time or, or missing something or having to line things up. My daughter would just cry and feel like um, she had to jump up and down in place, jump up and down in place, because that was the best thing to do to make the things go out of her brain. And that, that's what she would just do for hours and hours a day. And of course, her legs would hurt. So right. OCD in a little child is very different than OCD that like the movie, the, the big uh, star, Howie Mandel talks about is OCD. Mm -hmm. um, so the assessment scales are really important to look at. And um, you can show those to a doctor and say, this is what the OCD looks like. And I'm afraid. And they could refer you to a psychologist too, to help you sort things out. Good. Um, Thanks. I know. It's just like this stuff blow. I'm just so fascinated by all of this. <laughs> I'm just like, wow. So are there any new findings or support or health that parents may not have heard of? Because sometimes it takes a minute to get out there or you think you have all the information. Is there anything new? Yeah. So um, our website will contain new research that's been coming out from Yale and Harvard. And some of the new research shows that the children definitely are having having like having a slight opening in the blood-brain barrier that's allowing bad antibodies, bad reactions to the infection, not the actual infection, but bad antibodies to the infection are resting on the child's nerves in their brain. So um, that research is on our website and it's a little esoteric, so it's not out there in the community uh, very readily. I would just say for now to go to our website, which will be expanded in mid-September and look at that work. Um, what we're discovering is that our children have a very minor level of autoimmune encephalitis. Autoimmune encephalitis, it means brain inflammation, can mean very bad things to people. It can cause coma or seizures. Our children are not at that level. They're just being slightly disturbed uh, in their brain or being tormented by these bad antibodies. And the research that we're identifying, um, we're, the, the antibodies that we're identifying in the brain can be calmed down with low-dose uh, steroids or low-dose intravenous immunoglobulin. We have different formulas written out in um, various journal articles that doctors can refer to. But um, that research is very important. It's brand new. Some of the work out of uh, Columbia University is showing 
that the strep throat bacteria is entering like in COVID through the nasal passages and then inflaming the brain there. So um, the more we can get the word out about that Columbia University research to doctors, the more they'll understand why quick treatment will vanquish the illness very quickly. Wow, that's that's awesome. It's really it's really exciting, uh, revolutionary work that Columbia has done, and also Yale has done on um, identifying these bad actors in the kids' brains. We need to expand the research. We've only identified it in about forty children. We need to get about a uh, hundred kids, and then we think it will go mainstream. And 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 that's that's why we're increasing our website presence in the mid mid September to get the word out more yeah. clearly to doctors. It's hard to get. I didn't realize how hard it was to get information out to the medical community. But until you prove the science of things, it's really hard for doctors to want to act. You know, I, I don't blame them. There's a lot of kids to to consider when you're giving medicine. Yeah, but it's yeah. it's really important that that this that that the research is being done, especially because again, there's so much confusion about this. There's a lot of people who have no idea what this is. Mm -hmm. Um, and I guess if a person, like if a parent, is you know finds out that there's a diagnosis and they do want to get treatment, how? can that be done? Like you can't so, just go to CVS and be like, Hey, right, right, right. So this is the difficult part. And this is why I've persisted as an advocate for almost 15 years now. Um, it's hard to get treatment. Um, we have two websites, well, maybe three, but the ones that the doctors refer to a lot is Pandas Physicians Network. The folks who created that website are friends of mine. Um, Doctors can sign in there and put in their um, their license and have private conversations with other doctors about the patients they have. Parents should tell doctors about that website. There's a lot of um, doctors who've signed up on that website to um, be affiliates or to, to care for children. Um, parents also have to be prepared to travel um, if they can't find someone locally to help them. And um, Pandas Network also, we answer almost all of our emails. We try to, and we'll talk to parents on the phone to help them find care too. And what, what would that care kind of look like? So the first person that you're going to talk to is the pediatrician, um, usually, or a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Sometimes we, we've got a few neurologists and immunologists who help as well help as well. Usually they'll make sure that the check to see if the child's strep titers are high. And if they're not high, they'll ask about the child's history with infection recently. They'll usually give a week to two weeks of antibiotics and then check back in with the, the parent and say, how's the child doing? Usually the child is improving. And if the child's not improving, the doctor might then use um, a Motrin or an Aleve, something like that to try to calm the um, inflammatory processes down if they think the child's not doing well. And um, the next thing is if a child's, well, if there's an acute case, there's a boy I know in Minnesota right now who is 13. He's un It's unusual to have a child that um, old having their first onset with strep, but this is a boy who, who has, and he developed anorexia overnight. 
So uh, he was hospitalized and they're giving the child intravenous immunoglobulin, which is a blood product uh, that Yale identified as working quite well for this disease. My children both received intravenous immunoglobulin. So uh, that child's being hospitalized um, and he's getting intravenous immunoglobulin and they're hoping to see him calm down within about 30 days. Also, um, occasionally uh, there's a debate about it and some research is being done on it right now. Um, a doctor should look at the child's tonsils and adenoids if they're inflamed or if the child has a history of inflamed tonsils or adenoids, they might be removed. Um, but again, the doctor has to consider that and the strep history. That often will help quite a bit. My child, my son, um, my daughter did not have a tonsillectomy, but my, my son did at his onset when he was seven. And he improved by 70% after wow. the surgery because the infection was lingering in the tonsil tissue. Right? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So my daughter, I'm going to be honest. Um, we haven't really followed these children long-term. Pandas Network has as a parent advocacy group. It's not official research. Um, you know, um, it's we're doing a, a research project right now on the genetics of, of the children that we've been following, about 100 children very closely. Uh, myself and a few doctors have been following um, closely for about 14 years. And we're seeing that some of the kids get all better when they're seven, eight, nine, they were sick. We got them all better with tonsillectomies, IVIG or antibiotics. And we're seeing them relapsing now when they're 19 and 20 years old. One of those children who's relapsed is my daughter who's 17. And um, so we don't quite understand why the relapse is occurring. Uh, it's not as acute as when they were little kids, but it's noticeable. The child is... Um, really anxious. There's a sharp personality change. They're extremely fatigued. And just like when they were little, we're giving them antibiotics or a steroid. It stabilize that, stabilizes them for the most part. Sometimes we have to use more invasive therapies like intravenous immunoglobulin. And there's a few other things, but I don't, I don't want to get into that right now. Okay. <laughs> so, no, yeah. that's, that's really helpful. No, that's good to know. Um, it's, a, it's a little overwhelming. Are you doing okay? No, I am. I just, I find this all so amazing because it is really new and it's just so much more than I thought it was. And so mm -hmm. that's what I find really fascinating. Well, there's, um, an old, there's an old disease that's associated with rheumatic fever called Sydenham Korea, S-Y-D-E-N-H-A-M, and then the next word's Korea, C-H-O-R-E-A. And that is a psychological change after strep throat bacteria and a physical movement disorder after strep throat bacteria. We thought we had vanquished it for the most part in America, but we think this is ideologically pretty much the same thing, a little milder, but pretty much the same thing. So, you know, unless you're always watching bacteria and viruses, they'll, they'll, they'll make a comeback. Yeah. Yeah. They, so yes, we've learned so much about this. Yes. Yeah, we, thank you yes. so for that. Actually, while, whilst we're on the subject of our current situation, um, COVID-19 or whatever else is floating around mm -hmm. Delta and all the whatever variations yeah. and so what 
what could be the impact of COVID on these children? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we just did a survey of about 700 families and happily, happily, we're seeing that our kids are uh, really handling COVID just like most of the rest of the kids in America. They're not having a big uptick in symptoms when they're exposed to COVID or even when they're getting the vaccine. But a lot of the kids are young, so preliminarily I can't promise that it's going to hold true yeah. forever. Uh, but thus far, we're not seeing anything um, detrimental to the kids. A smile, you know, an uptick of OCD, an uptick of anxiety, but we're not even sure if that's just the social dynamics right now. We had a couple of older boys who had had in their 20s who had had pandas as younger kids getting the vaccine. Um, they had not received treatment for pandas. They were having some really bad um, psychological issues right before getting their COVID vaccine. And the vaccine did exacerbate their symptoms even more so. Uh, they were able to get medical treatment right away and calm down the reaction to the vaccine. So it wasn't permanently detrimental, but it did increase their symptoms of the, of the two young adult males. Yeah. Okay, yeah. good. I know. I think, I think that that kind of gives everybody a little bit of like, oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. 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 Well, okay. We were all scared. And the last thing I wanted to mention is that this, since this is a new, you know, disease model and the research, just a lot of the good research has just from Italy. Also, they have a lot of really great pandas research coming out of Italy. It came out during the, the pandemic. So we're going to have a big virtual conference in February of next year, February 22nd, 2022, to talk about this new research and talk about PANDAS as being a milder syndrome of autoimmune encephalitis and, and why we need to capture those children uh, more quickly. So our website will publicize that conference in February. That's, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. So kind of looking towards the future. So if a, if a parent has a child who has PANDAS, um, what, what can they expect for the future for their child? Well, um, actually I have a lot of hope for the future. Um, we're, um, very happy to report that a major pharmaceutical company called Octopharma is going to do a trial of antibiotics and intravenous immunoglobulin also on little ones that are sick with PANDAS. That will begin in 2022, probably, assuming the pandemic has slowed down. So that that will um, probably conclude, the study will conclude in two or three years. So um, the future is bright for PANDAS children. I do think that the federal government will authorize intravenous immunoglobulin and antibiotics and things like that for children, you know, within the next decade, if not sooner, because of Octopharma's advocacy for us. And then also our dream is to open a hospital for these children. Um, we're partnering with Northwell Health in New York City, and we don't even have the money to do groundbreaking right now, but they are um, amenable to um, creating a clinic for these children to grab them and, and treat them much more quickly and then train other doctors. So the future's bright. I mean, we got another five years of, kind of pushing <laughs> along, but, um, but I think the future is bright because the science is there. And, 
I'm super glad that you called me because, you know, the pandemic has been long and we had such exciting research and nobody knows about it <laughs> yet. But um, it, it, it'll it's a hopeful future. Parents need to stay in touch with each other uh, for now. Yeah. And and it is great. There are, you know, I mean, we hear we hear the pitfalls and downfalls and all the things falls of Facebook and, you know, online stuff. But there's mm-hmm. also a plus to it because mm-hmm. there are those kinds of communities there that people can find each other and talk to each other. Yeah. And some of the information is not good that you hear from other parents online. I mean, you have to use your discernment or go to your medical professional or call mm-hmm. Pandas Network or Pandas Physicians Network. Go to reputable sources and dialogue about it. But the science is there. And I mean, really, parent advocacy and social media push this along. The parents did all of this. Yay. Pushing and pushing. Yeah, I'm, I'm super impressed with the parents. Yeah. Yeah. We did it. We did it. Parents are there. tough, man. Parents are tough. <laughs> no, this is really great. And this is really interesting. And I think what's so fascinating is just, just how how much is going on around pandas and how it's moving forward and how there's so much more information now than there was even a couple years ago. Um, I, I, yeah. I do. I do want to mention that there are not official. Uh, there is not an official American Medical Association or American Academy of Pediatrics um, sta- statement about how to treat pandas yet. But that's how medicine moves forward. Smaller private consortiums meet and create the guidelines. So that has been happening. The American Academy of Neurology just wrote an opinion paper about treating the kids, but it's not in lockstep yet. Mm-hmm. It, it, it happens in fits and starts, um, but we're, we're getting there. But if people go to their local doctor, they might roll their eyes at mom or dad and say, oh, pandas isn't a real thing. So um that's not true. It is. Um, but the doctors haven't really been educated yet about the advancements. Yeah. They're there. So just look at our websites, look at the Pandas Physicians Network, the NIMH. It's there, but local pediatricians and neurologists might not be aware of it yet. Yeah. And on, on that note, real quickly, if your pediatrician does ever roll their eyes at you, I'm going to tell you, go find another pediatrician (laughs) because even, you know, as a parent, you might go in with lots of different things and it's important that your pediatrician listens to you. So if your pediatrician is rolling their eyes, go find a different one. (laughs) Well, that's a whole other, um, that's a whole other um, podcast. I know, right? Yeah. It's, uh, I, I just wanted to say too, some of the people in parts of the country that have less access to education uh, of any kind, they they suffer the most and they really respect medical professionals and look up to them. And um, sometimes, you know, professionals can be unkind. And anyways, I hope that the parents can support each other because some people are really victimized by bad doctoring. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. and just before before I let you uh-huh. go on with your life <laughs> and uh-huh. giving us all this info, is there anything um, that we missed? Is there anything that you want to leave our friends with? Um, I think that uh, parents, the, something doctors used to say in the olden days, I don't know if they say it now, but pediatricians used to say, my dad was a pediatrician back in the day. Um, 
the mother, listen to the mother. The mother knows the child. And um, I think maybe doctors have less time to listen sometimes now. Um, but if you're, you as a parent in your gut feel like this is not my child, this is a child that's really suffering and is, has had a really difficult personality change, persist, find help, trust yourself, know we're trying to catch up with you and, um, and help you um, and, and don't give up because we can get all of these children better. We can get them all better. Don't give up. That's awesome. Yeah, um, it's, it's really <laughs> wonderful. Um, I want to thank you so much, Diana, for coming. Again, Diana Pullman is the founder of and executive director of pandasnetwork.org. I'm going to also uh, put the websites that were mentioned today on um, the little blurb so you can check out all the new information. You can keep up with it. And again, don't forget, check back around mid-September because there's going to be a lot of new information and an updated website. Um, again, Diana, thank you so much you. for Thanks being for here with us. This was so cool, so exciting. I really have wanted, like I said, to do this for such a long time. And friends out there, stay healthy, be, you know, have, have be kind and lovely to each other during this tough time of COVID and all of these things. Um, and Thanks for joining us, and I will see you guys soon. Bye. Thanks for hanging with me here. Again, I'm Brandi Davis, your parenting partner, and you can find me on Instagram at Parent Coach Brandy. You can find me on Facebook at Brandy Davis C A F C, and on Twitter at C A F C Brandy. I want to hear from you guys. I want to hear your questions. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear your comments. And I'll chat with you again soon. I can't wait.